This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This podcast is sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 5000 is the latest digital autopilot providing increased safety plus decreased pilot workload. It's being certified for Part 23 and Part 25 retrofit aircraft such as high-performance turboprop and turbine jet aircraft. To learn more about the STEC 5000, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. This week on Hangar Talk, the Sweepstakes Super Cub finds a winner. And we take you to AirVenture. All right, Dave, you ready to do some Hangar Talk? Let's do some Hangar Talk, Ian. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. Yeah, the 1056 turn right heading 130, contact final 132.4. Turn right, sky With your hosts, Ian Twombly and David Tulitz. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tulis. And David, a uh, special show for us this week. We're going to forgo a guest this time and focus on everything Oshkosh since it is Oshkosh week. It is indeed. They got off to a little bit of a soggy start, but things are kicking into gear and we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Yeah, but first, something you got the had the pleasure of going on. One member, very, very happy this week because he is the winner of AOPA Sweepstakes Super Cub. Well, we are really sorry to all the other podcast listeners who did not win the Sweepstakes Piper Super Cub on floats, skis, or tundra tires. But one South Carolinian, Wade Sheely, who's 80 years old and he's a student pilot, is very happy. And he did win the Piper Super Cub, and we delivered it just last week. Yeah, it's a really cool story, Wade. Like you said, is uh, 80, uh, around that age, and his instructor is 79, which I think is awesome. <laughs> so uh, two older guys, you know, flying in a Super Cub, that's pretty cool. It is, Ian, and I asked Wade Sheely what he felt, you know, getting instruction from a younger guy. You know, they both chuckled. Those two, yeah. those two kind of played <laughs> off each other. They're actually really good <laughs> friends. And uh, Cecil Toon is Wade's instructor, one of the instructors at U.S. Aeroflight in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, I, I need to let everyone know who's listening. Now, this was my first time being involved in a sweeps giveaway, and I was part of the ruse. And actually, I did have really good questions for both of these guys. They're both older. Cecil Toon was a Vietnam pilot uh, back in the day, and then he left to go to the seminary. And then Wade Sheely, the winner, he just started learning to fly just a few years ago, Ian. And so they're both a little bit older, Cecil being a longtime pilot and Wade being sort of a new pilot, and it really was an interesting setup, and I was asking them a little bit about, you know, what it was like to learn to fly at, you know, a little bit of an advanced age, and, you know, some of the challenges and things like that. You know, multitasking is a little bit difficult. The 
airspace can be complicated, Ian, as you know, and, you know, you have to stay ahead of the airplane, and th- those are those are things that we all have to work at, so that was no surprise to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you, if you go online, you can see the video. It's very cool. Mark Baker takes him for his familiarization flight in the airplane. They have a good time, and because you guys were in Greenville, there are lakes nearby, and they actually got to do a splashdown. That's right. They went to Lake Kiwi, which is not too far away. You know, Mark Baker is just a big-time Piper Super Cub pilot, you know, float plane pilot, and he just loves that aircraft. And, I mean, it was just so cool to see those two guys go off and do a little splash and dash there nearby. And I think that um, that Wade Sheely's family was really impressed, and I think that his son-in-law might end up being the one who actually goes for a ride most often in the family's new Piper Super Cub on Flux. And I must say, it was a thrill. I got to I didn't get to fly the aircraft, but I got to taxi it across the field a couple of times. And it was a big surprise. You know, we had to stash the airplane and everybody was, you know, hiding. And we had good buy-in from folks at U.S. Aeroflight. Brett Sikowski was really helpful to us. And just it was a big secret. And they were so cool that no one let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. And they all kind of came off like clockwork. It looked like we had planned it all along. That's great. That's great. So congrats to Wade. And uh, don't be sad if you remember you didn't win because – Right away, you have a chance to win an RV-10, AOPA's next sweepstakes airplane. That's right, a Vans Aircraft RV-10, and so that's an experimental-slash-home-built type of aircraft, which means that it really opens the door to a lot of the advanced avionics and some of the advanced engine componentry that you can have in those type of aircrafts. And it's a real performance-oriented airplane. I think whoever gets that is really going to be super excited. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, follow along with that over the next year and a half or so in uh, the magazine and, and online and on AOPA Live. But uh, hey, let's start talking about Oshkosh. David, first, you know, we're going to go through a bunch of different announcements that we've seen and then that kind of caught our eye. But let's start small, and that's with the Century Mini ADSB receiver from Sporties and Forflight. So the Mini Century ADSB receiver has a built-in GPS in, and let's get right down to the nut graph, as we say in journalism. It's $299. So that brings ADSB weather and traffic into the cockpit with built-in GPS for less than 300 bucks. And I think that's a pretty good deal. Now, it works with ForeFlight Mobile, and that's a pretty popular app. A lot of folks have that, and I think that's a pretty good option. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So when you start to kind of line up all these receivers, which there are a ton of these things now, you know, we were sort of going through this a little bit. The... The deal with this is there's, you know, like you said, I think no built-in battery, but there is GPS, this one being $300. The Scout, which I know you have, it's a little smaller even, also works with ForeFlight. Now, that doesn't have an internal battery or GPS. So if you don't feel like you need the GPS, you could save 100 bucks, get a Scout. Or if you do want the GPS, you could um, pay 300 and, and get the Century Mini. Now, if you pay a little more, a couple hundred more, you get the Century, the full size, that has a CO2 detector, which is really cool, and an internal battery if you don't feel like plugging it in all the time. That's right, and that internal battery could be a really important thing because sometimes the little cord on the on the Scout that I have will sometimes come out of the back of the unit, which is a minor little, minor little issue, but if you're really dependent on your weather or your traffic, you don't want that to happen, so you need to place it in a spot where the cord's not being pulled upon. And I guess that same would be said 
of the uh, of the mini, you know, in, in this case, the mini Sentry. And also, just to point out to podcast listeners, the batteries that power these guys are the same kind of batteries that you would power up your iPhone with or your, you know, iPad. It's the, the kind of little external battery packs that are really, really popular nowadays. In fact, I think we have some on the AOPA gear store ourselves. So this is a pretty, pretty easy thing to power stuff up with and have a little bit of backup energy for your phone anyway. Yeah, yep, that's 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 right. Another cool thing about this that we should say before we move on is that it has a 30-minute memory. And so what that can do is actually, instead of just showing you a static weather picture, you can actually move the weather and animate the weather over a period of 30 minutes because the unit will actually take in that information, keep it, and then keep it on a continuous loop for you. Yep, so that's a new product, and they just introduced it over at, um, at AirVenture, and Sporty's Pilot Shop has it on sale. They will start delivering in August. It's only a couple of weeks from now, so keep your eyes out for that. In the near future, less than 300 bucks. this entry mini ADSB receiver. Yeah, all right. So, hey, let's move on. One of the, the sectors of aviation that's really heating up with competition that a lot of folks don't pay attention to, but... Um, few folks here at AOPA do, including, you know, our Dave Hirschman. Um, he's really into this sector, and that is these high-performance aerobatic aircraft. So Extra at Oshkosh came out with a new Extra. It's the NG. And what's different about this one is it's composite, the frame, all of it composite. Really phenomenal airplane. So I've never flown in an Extra, although um, – actually, I take that back. I did fly in an Extra in Atlanta back when I was living there. It was an Extra 300 model. That model was a two-person model, so that was, uh, you know, I guess you can go show off with uh, with a passenger so you're, if you're a pretty good aerobatic pilot. But the key was, Ian, it, those were steel frame airplanes, and so the steel tubular frame basically wrapped around the cockpit. So I guess that sort of limits what you can do with the curves and with the design of the cockpit, and so you don't have those limitations with the composite materials. Yeah, now th- what is, what's really fascinating about this is the, the NG is actually going to be less than the current top-of-the-line model, which is the LX. So the NG is going to retail for 450000 And you're right, I think because they can do styling and other things like that, this thing is apparently quite the speed demon. It is quite fast. So getting from competition to competition or just, you know, if you do a weekend traveler and don't go upside down that often, it's got a lot of really cool uh, selling points to it. The other thing that was kind of interesting about this whole concept was that Walter Extra, the designer, he said that he's been designing this for about five years, according to Dave Hirschman's story, and that he kept it completely secret and kept the parts stored in a separate part of the manufacturing plant. So I guess that not many people even at the company might have known what was going on. Kind of similar to how we give away the sweeps. Not not that many people know what's going on with that. It's, you know, completely hush-hush. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. So I'd say, you know, look for a story on that uh, upcoming in AOPA because I know Dave's going to definitely want to get his hands on that guy and see how it flies. But really cool airplane. And if you're into those top-of-the-line aerobats, you got to check it out. So, uh, Ian, the next story we were going to talk about was something that you actually have some familiarity with, which was the Redbird Gift Program. Tell us a little bit about what the Gift Program is and what is new with the Redbird Gift. Yeah, so I flew this a couple years ago. From the beginning, Redbird has really they have this roadmap for essentially an AI experience where you can get in the sim and essentially the computer will teach you how to fly. You know, they feel like, and and if you look at it, you know, the ACS, the parameters of flight training are, they are easily defined, you know, sort of pass fail. It's like an instructor can help you hone technique and and learn basics of technique. But, um, you know, a simulator is really good at just repetitive practice. And so, 
Redbird has gone on to now develop this guided independent flight training, GIFT, and essentially it's a, it's a simulator-led flight training program, and now they have it out for the IFR. So you did it, I think, when it was a VFR set up, and that was when you flew through these sort of these like boxes that would show up on your visual monitor. But the instrument training is probably, I mean, it's a lot more in your head type stuff because you're not going to be having visual acuity when you're on instruments unless you're looking at the instruments. So there's got to be a lot of repetition and a lot of, you know, mundane maneuvers, approaches over and over and over and things like that, that I could really see that a simulator would be very helpful for that if you had a lesson plan. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, this, the way they've built this is really smart. You know, they use, they, they, everything's gamified, right? They call it gamification. And what that means is that when you first start out, they make it easy. You know, they make it so that you're able to kind of get through the basic maneuvers and feel like you're accomplishing something. But then as time goes on and you practice more and more, the tolerances get tighter and tighter, and you're naturally sort of pushed to get better and better and better. So I think it's a really fascinating idea. It's it's completely personalized. So unlike, you know, where you go to the school and you just rent some time in a sim with an instructor and the instructor sits there and it just sort of replicates the airplane, here you actually buy a key. It's $249. You keep it. You put it into the simulator. You work on it yourself. It guides you through. You watch videos as demonstrations, and then you try it. And it's really a fascinating program and really effective, I think. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about the instrument program. I do know that Josh Harnagel, who's a, the head of that program, came over here to help us out at AOPA. And, and Sarah Diener, one of our editors for our AOPA pilot, got a chance to fly with Josh in that simulator. One thing that, that she noted in a story that she has now that's up at AOPA.org is that, you know, as a pilot flies an instrument approach, you really, you can never, like Dave Hirschman told me, don't ever be low. You know, always be, if you're going to be anything, you know, be a little bit high. You want to be on the money on that glide slope, but don't be low. And so Sarah described the fact that the machine will sense if you're headed down, if you're headed below that glide slope, and instead of failing you out, it waits a couple of uh, clicks, and then as you recognize that fact and you bring yourself back up to the glide slope, you know, which is about the amount of time that an instructor would notice uh, or an examiner would notice that you're having issues, that the this particular instrument gift kind of plays with that, and it understands a little bit of that artificial intelligence and doesn't flag you for that. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, it is very cool stuff, very well thought out, well designed. So if you haven't tried GIFT, definitely give it a try. I think you can go into a flight school and they can kind of demo it for you, or you can see it on Redbird. Um, or if you're at the show this week, you can definitely head over to Redbird and, and see it at the show. It's very cool stuff. So sticking with the training market, Piper. We've talked about them many times over the last year or two just because they seem to be doing so well in the training market. And uh, more news at Oshkosh of the same there. They were actually really happy about the last few months. You know, that Piper Pilot 100 and the 100i were introduced in back at Sun and Fun, and that was just only in April. And since then, they've had orders for 100 of those aircraft, and they've gone on to actually hire more people to the Vero Beach, Florida manufacturing facility, and it's really boosted their bottom line a lot. And Piper's uh, seeing some really good growth right now during the first half of 2019 as compared to last year when they basically sold, uh, they sold 50, they had 56 of the trainers out last year and they delivered 94 of the PA-28 models so far this year. 
Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And so this Pilot 100, it's it's really cool what they've done. You know, they kind of stripped it down and made it for the training market. And yeah, they've already already sold more than 100 of these things. So the Piper Pilot 100, you know, that has two seats instead of four. And VFR avionics, and Ian, that starts at $259,000, which is a lot of money, but it's still a lot of money less than competitors out there. And then also the instrument version, the 100i, has three seats, so you can actually have an observer in there with an IFR panel. And those retail starting at $285,000. Again, a lot of money, but not as much money as a competitive four-place high-wing airplane that we will not mention right now. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. It's definitely a value when you look at it, and maybe that's why they've done so well on the uh, on the orders. So, congrats to them. Love to see them doing well. So, speaking of low cost, you know, um, out of Germany, a new entrant to the audio market came out at Oshkosh, TQ Aviation, and this I think was a big surprise. So, the TQ Aviation Electronics basically there's two boxes you can get in. So, one is an ADSB transponder, and the other is a receiver with a built-in intercom. And I think that the prices are very competitive for both of these units. This, you know, I don't own an airplane right now, but I used to. And when I did, I had a couple little Becker avionics, and that they were also uh, overseas products, but they were also small and relatively inexpensive. But we're looking at the transceiver, $1,080, Ian, and that does have the built-in intercom. And get this. The transponder with ADSB is one thousand seven hundred and sixty bucks. So, three thousand dollars all in plus installation—that is not a bad deal. Yeah, no, it really is a, a really good deal. That now they are, were announced at the beginning of the show already certified, and uh, the company says that an STC, uh, an AML, so you know, uh, an approved model list, a big list of uh, aircraft uh, STC list will be out uh, probably next month. And so, you know, folks who are looking to Maybe replace an old Narco or something like that. It's like this TQ could be a good one. And they're made in Germany. There will be some U.S. support with Mid-Continent Instruments and Avionics, which is a really reputable company. So I think something definitely to look at for folks who are still looking at ADSB and and maybe a new radio. I agree with you. And also to mention they could get it from a retailer that's also well-known, Gulf Coast Avionics and Sarasota Avionics, which I have dealt with in a previous lifetime. And they were very helpful. So, yep. So uh, Garmin has always got something new going on. So this year, they've got the GNC 355, and that's a WASP GPS Com, sort of a smaller, cheaper navigator. Well, you know, smaller and cheaper. Uh, cheaper is a relative term, and smaller yeah. is smaller <laughs> I can dig. It's smaller than a Garmin 430. Uh, it's still kind of pricey. Let's get that, let's get that right out off the bat, it's $6,995 for the GNC 355. That's basically the, the U.S. version. And the European version with different spacing on the frequencies is about $700 more. But nonetheless, I think that this is a great uh, GPS uh, communicator that you can have. And, and again, you know, touch screen, it's unbelievable what they're packing into a WAS-enhanced communication device. Yeah, it really is. And this is a tiny little unit. So, you know, if you've got an experimental or small aircraft, you know, with limited panel space, I think you're going to want to look at something like this. It's uh, approved for aircraft 6,000 pounds or less or amateur built. And uh, the STC, at least, will be for those aircraft. And it's imminent, they said. So this is just another one. Garmin, you know, it's funny. They used to be 
you know, it's like they'd come out with a 435-30 and sit on that for like a decade. And now, man, they are just pounding stuff out. It's really impressive. They are. They recently released the GPS-175 and then GNX-375. And you know, those were follow-ons to the GNC 250-300 XL that a lot of people might remember from a few years ago. And you know, the, you're right about the form factor. It's a six and a quarter inch wide by two inch tall design. So this will fit a lot of panels with, without a lot of additional, you know, panel upgrade, you know, space upgrades, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, another, I think, bit of really good news that we're seeing is out of engines, and that's Lycoming. They, they came out and said they are working on electronic ignition for certified aircraft, which I think we both got to agree, just finally, finally, let's get it already. I <laughs> know, man. You can, like, any car that you buy in the last, you know, what, 15 or 20 years is going to have that in it. So, uh, I don't know why it's taking so long for, for us to get something like that, you know, for certified aircraft. But this is great news. And now the price wasn't listed yet for this, but this is something that Lycoming has been working on for a little while with their partner, Surefly. And just for just for comparison purposes, Ian, I was looking offline and, and you know, like a slick Magneto is like eleven hundred dollars. And uh, so I'm hoping that this is a real competitive deal and electronic you know, you, you don't have to mess with it. It's a solid-state design that's supposed to last the life of the engine with no time between overhaul requirement and no scheduled maintenance. And for, for airplane owners, uh, like I'm a former airplane owner myself, I mean, this was a major cost that was involved every couple of hundred hours, Ian, at least $500 at the minimum to get these, these things fixed up, and sometimes more than 1000 Yeah, and of course— you know, between all of that overhauls and everything else, it's like they weren't terribly reliable to begin with. So I think we're all on board the electronic ignition train here. And, you know, the uh, the Sweeps Super Cub, like we just talked about, had one electronic ignition and one magneto, and that's because that's what the FAA allowed via STC. But Lycoming's going for, it's available right now for experimental engines, but for certified engines, they're going for a dual certification which I think is a big deal and good news. So I think they're going to do well with this, and, and people are really, we've just been itching for it. I think so, too. I think it's, it's a, a step in the right direction, and gosh, I don't know why it took so long. So let's see what happens in the near future. I'm excited. Yeah, that's right. All right, so hey, let's finish up a, a subject that I know is near and dear to your heart and something that we talk about it often, and that is the pilot outlook and technician outlook going forward. Boeing always comes out with this at Oshkosh, and they did again, of course, this year. And uh, really interesting stuff coming out of it. Well, Ian, the one thing that I noticed right off the bat was that the overall numbers are, yet again, up for the pilot and technician outlook for 2019 to 2038. So last year, we were looking at a demand of 790,000 pilots, and now it's up to 804,000 pilots. And you noticed something really interesting about where that demand came from. Yeah, so Asia-Pacific has been a strong driver over the past couple of years. So, you know, that's Boeing saying that China, I think especially, is going to really explode in terms of commercial air travel and need all of these pilots. And that's still true. So over the next 20 years, they're saying that they're going to need 266,000 new pilots in the Asia Pacific. And last year, they were saying they would need 240,000 over the next 20 years. So that's a, you know, uh, 26,000 pilot increase. But interestingly, last year, they were saying that North America would need 127,000 new pilots. This year, they're saying 212,000. That's a really sizable jump. 
It is. It is. Now, of course, now you got to keep in mind that they that Boeing is a little sneaky about some of this because they just started factoring in some of the commercial operations and some of the helicopter operations. But nonetheless, you're still looking at an increase here this year over last year for pilots. And also, we're looking at a maintenance increase as well. Now, this is interesting. So last year, the maintenance outlook had dipped a little bit from the year before. And I was going to let our podcast listeners know, because, you know, you don't have to all be a pilot. You know, there's a big need for for maintenance technicians to keep these aircraft rolling. So one thing that I saw that was kind of cool was that you're looking at two different types of technicians, Ian. One, the keep the traditional aircraft going, you know, that kind of the older 747 and designs like that. And then the newer is a new set of skills are needed for digital troubleshooting and composite repair. That's something I didn't even think about. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point saying that you know, the future workforce has to be trained in a new way and have different experience. So yeah, that's, that's very true. I suppose not unlike uh, the pilot, you know, training market. I mean, it's like the idea of um, focusing on, you know, old aircraft, steam gauges, that sort of thing. I mean, it's like airlines are going to want systems engineers, basically, and, and folks who can operate in crew environments safely. So yeah, I, I think things are changing there on both sides. Absolutely. And speaking of crew uh, and environment, the cabin crew outlook is also up again. 881,000 cabin crew members will be needed within the next 20 years. So, again, you don't have to be a pilot or a maintenance technician, but if you still like aviation and you still like to fly, that's another way of going. But also a reminder to younger folks that are listening to the podcast, you know, you could be an IT professional. You could be an airport manager. You could actually do retail, anything like that in aviation. These numbers, I think, are a very good trend. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So, hey, I think that's all the time we have for this week. I think, geez, I think we covered everything in Oshkosh, at least everything that was kind of big to us. What, what do you think, David? Do you think we got it all? I think we got all we could get in the time that we have today, but I'm sure that other things <laughs> will pop up. And you know, as they pop up, we'll let our listeners know the next time they visit the Hangar Talk podcast. So, yeah, if you're at Oshkosh or planning to go or just coming back from it, um, hope you had a great show. And uh, we'll get back to the sort of the guest format next time. But otherwise... I'm Ian Twombly. Our editor is Austin Hansen. And I'm David Tillis. Listen, don't forget, you can find us at aopa.org slash hangertalk. Of course, we're on iTunes and at the Sporties Takeoff app. And we're also on Spotify, so you can Bluetooth us in the car. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time, Ian. Hangertalk from AOPA. Your freedom to fly.